Hello and welcome to Jim and Ben's Movie Adventures. My name is Ben and this is... Jim. It's Jim. I'm Jim. And this is a podcast about watching movies and inflicting them on each other. And this week's podcast was inflicted by... Jim. Me. It was me. <laughs> so I was delighted that A, you hadn't seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, and no. B, I was making you watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. So this is everything I could have hoped and dreamed for when you said, let's do a podcast. Uh, you know, I was like, yes, let's. Jim, you're my best friend. <laughs> Simple as that. I thought when you said, let's do Zack Snyder's Justice League, I wasn't excited. And then I thought of a way to make it exciting. Uh, I was wrong. Uh, I sent you a text message earlier, uh, and it, I think the text message was verbatim, I did a silly thing. Yes, I'm curious as to what it is you did, and I really, and of course, because you're so cryptic, and you're like, no, we'll wait, we'll save it for the cast, you know, like, you won't actually just tell me. So Let's, what, what occurred here? I did some basic math. On what I did, uh, <laughs> six seven hundred and eighty minutes oh or thirteen hours. Okay, I watched Batman v Superman for context. I watched the original theatrical cut of the Justice League. Wow! I watched the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, and I'm going to be fair here. I skipped through the black and white version of Zack Snyder's The Justice League. Here's a question for you. I don't want to undermine that journey that you've just been on. I'm mm. thrilled that you took it. Mm. Um, when you watched Batman v Superman, did you watch the Ultimate Edition? No, and I realized that mistake afterwards, okay? But I couldn't, I couldn't do it, Tim. I couldn't go back. Ben, I'd psychologically missing. psyched myself up for this. Uh, Had and you watched the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman? Does I, Superman die any harder? I think you would have had a more enjoyable experience, you know? <laughs> Tim, they do this in Guantanamo, I'm sure. Um, this is... Oh, look, there was... I did it in a, in a strange order. I watched the Zack Snyder cut first. The, like the, the normal kind of one. The color... The, his version, like the one that everyone said, hashtag Snyder Cut. Right. I watched that first. That's the one we were supposed to watch. Yeah, I did it first. And then I'm like, well, it doesn't feel like I did this completely unless I watched what really starts this movie, which is Batman v Superman, Daughter of Justice, whatever it is. And then I'm like, well, this got delayed a couple of days. Might as well watch the black and white one. And then I'm like, oh, but what are the differences? So I watched the original theatrical cut. Well, look, that's that's great. I'm pretty familiar with all of them except Justice is Grey. I I haven't what look that's what they call the black and white edition. Ben. I know. And Tim, you don't you are familiar with the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know why that just this is tangent, but do you know why Justice is, is Grey exists? Because fans are insane? No, it's because and it's kind of sad really, but when Zack Snyder you know, we'll say left. It's oh, okay. Very unclear as to what actually happened, right? Um, but when he, you know, was no longer on the project the first time, and we can talk about the history of it a bit mm. later in this cast, but he took a cut, the Snyder cut, if you like, um, but it was a temp edition, and it was in black and white. Um, so for 
three years. Um, the only version of the movie he had was the was black, black and, white and white edition, and he got really used to watching it that way. Um, and so he said, actually, you know, I've seen it so many times in this black and white form. I actually think there's something kind of cool about it. So I'm going to release that for, for the fandom as well. So, um, but, but anyway. I, I, have, I have many opinions. And look, the mistake I've made is a lot of this blurs together now. Yeah. So look, let me do yeah, what that's you what I want. usually do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I will actually set up this project. So, um, so look. Here's what here's what happened. Like there is an hour and a half documentary on YouTube if you want to watch exactly how this went down. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version um, of how this occurred. So um, DC and Warner Brothers, you know, um, uh, were basically trying to build their equivalent of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, um, and to do this, they uh, launched it with. Uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, which was his Superman movie. Okay. Which I liked. Um, yes. And look, it, it, reports differ, but in my opinion, it seems pretty clear that this wasn't really supposed to start their version of the MCU. Now, you, it's actually hard to, to, to locate, you know, data on that because there's a lot of voices saying, yeah, it was, you know, but, um, but I think there's enough evidence to suggest it was just supposed to be a Superman film. Um, so then, uh, obviously, this idea that they were going to build this cinematic universe sort of came about, and Snyder was kind of the guy to basically helmet and sort of put it forward. So, um, so he makes uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, which was originally just supposed to be Man of Steel two, um, but it turned into this sort of bigger, uh, bigger thing and this stepping stone film um, to then move to the Justice League. Now. The thing is, Warner's was going so fast at this time to try and put this together that, um, look, they shot and released Batman v Superman. And before they actually released Batman v Superman, they had both written a script, done pre-production, and started shooting on the follow-up film, which was Justice League. And it feels like it. And it's really the... Uh, and that's not to say that production on Justice League originally was rushed. It wasn't. It was just sequentially they just moved from one to the other. Um, but then Batman v Superman comes out and it was polarizing, uh, to say the least. You know, so, like as far as I remember correctly from back in that time, people were saying like it was too dark. Uh, like I mean, tonally, I mean, like maybe visually as well, um, and that like it wasn't like. At that point in time, people were used to Marvel, right? And Marvel was really big on, yeah, they had themes and heaviness, but there was fun and it was funny and there was quips and there was jokes and it was all kind of really built into their universe. And a lot of people, whether it was just allowed people on the internet or whether it was just reporters were saying like a lot of people were unhappy with the dark tone of Bat, uh, Batman v Superman. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the tone certainly got a lot of flack, but what's what's interesting about it is, and this is funny, like of all of that homework that you did, you know, the one thing that you didn't do was watch uh, what's called the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. One of the big issues with that as it was released theatrically was, again, length. You know, Warners wanted a shorter film. Um, Snyder uh, was 
functionally saying, look, it plays better if it's longer um, because of the way it's constructed and how much we're trying to do here. Um, ultimately, he compromised and they got it down to the version that we saw in cinemas. Um, look, much later, Zack Snyder did basically a DVD, you know, uh, Blu-ray Ultimate Edition where he restored about 15 to 20 minutes of the film plays a lot better you know um yep. and it actually it, it's funny because you'd think the secret to making it better isn't making it longer but in this case it actually was well, um, traditional movie wisdom is cut the fat make it as tight make it as lean as possible um and the problem is they're trying to tell so much story in these small packets like they're trying to tell two movies worth of story in one movie yeah. Uh, and that's Batman v Superman. Yeah. In Justice League, they're trying to tell four movies yes. worth of story. Um, and that, we'll get to it, is one of my insane, and well, not insane, but one of my massive criticisms of that movie um, is it needed, hell, I'm, I'm going to feel insane. It needed a Netflix series. Yeah. It needed, like, it needed a Flash movie, a Cyborg movie. It needed something instead of what they tried to do, which was put all these eggs in one bloated basket and that's yeah. both batman v superman and justice league every version of it and and so look batman v superman comes out theatrically it's polarizing it made money but not as much as they wanted i, I remember enjoying it yeah, at the movies it, and I, this time i didn't enjoy it as much but yeah. i remember enjoying it at the time yeah it, it's uh but look and, and that basically gave warner some real cold feet um and that's sort of the start of the problems here so um because they were already shooting and they were fairly committed to uh the justice league version that they had had got there now yeah so they shoot the film and what wasn't really known at the time was exactly how complete Zack Snyder's Justice League was. We now know it, it was, was finished. It was done. It was done. You know, he'd um he'd actually locked a cut, you know, it was awaiting visual effects and post-production work, but the cut was actually done. You know, there wasn't actually any reshooting required. Um when Warner's Warner executives saw that cut. Um, the word that actually reached all of us in just, you know, the, the film fandom world, even at that time was the word unwatchable, apparently, um, you know, which now we've seen it now. We just watched it this week, right? Mm. That was the unwatchable movie, right? But that was the, the criticism that came out. And so that then two things happened. Um, one was Warner's wasn't happy with that. The second is Jack, Zack Snyder had a personal tragedy, um, yeah. which we don't need to get into. And which one had the most weight on him stepping away from the project is sort of unclear. So um, I did a bit of reading and there was a guy who broke down the, an article. And basically what he did is he went through Zack Snyder interviews. He went through when he did the, he did like a charity DVD commentary of Superman, Man of Steel or something with Cavill. And that's where he like he announced a bunch of stuff and it included all of that. And the basic gist of it was like he kind of fought through and completed the film as he wanted. But when it came to finishing it, visual effects and that sort of stuff, him and his partner, who is like, like a Chris producer Terry, for him, yeah, yeah um, basically oh, stepped sorry. away. Do you mean writing partner or his wife? I meant partner in life. Wife. Yeah, right, right. Uh, um, Deborah Snyder. Yeah, yeah right. and they stepped up, kind of, they decided to. Step away is the way I read it because the, the film was there 
there was pressure coming from kind of weird directions and it was kind of like I, too much is yeah. the way I understood it from that article. It was like, yeah, we've made a movie. Yeah, I love the movie. Um, but to go through now a year of post or longer post-production with this studio, with the issues that they're incurring, um, I, I think they stepped away is the basic gist of it. Yeah, so, so but but either way, at the time, Warner Brothers was happy with this yes. arrangement because they really did want him out. You know, that was quite clear. Mm. So, um, so Warner's was sort of thinking it would work quite well. Um, they had already hired Joss Whedon to uh, punch up. It was really just a dialogue punch up was what he was hired for initially. Um, and then he basically stepped into... It's a, it's a tricky one because he doesn't have a director's credit and that's actually fairly, you know, dodgy to be honest because he, we now know exactly how much of the film he yeah. rewrote and reshot and it's almost all of it, um, you know. So even if scenes took place in the same locations, the dialogue was substantially altered, you know, um, revisited and there were entirely new sequences and of, of course, this was Whedon's job by the studio. His job was to get it down to two hours and make it funny and uh, lighten it up. And he did his best. And we got the mess that was 2017's uh, Justice League, which no one liked. Um, no. Absolutely no one liked. So um, myself included, I thought it was garbage, you know, um, and I was very unimpressed, um, as were most people, you know. Um, and I was willing. The other thing is, we got to remember, at the time... Whedon had Cred. goodwill globally. He doesn't mm. now, you know, but yeah. then, then he, it was sort of like he was being heralded as, oh, look, they said Snyder's version was unwatchable. There was polarizing stuff. People were excited that People Whedon was coming aboard. People were excited that he was coming aboard and he was fixing it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, and look, for whatever reason, I think probably because it was just too hard to completely re-engineer this thing from, you know, a potato into a mushroom. Um, like, you know, <laughs> that's really what they were trying to do. That was, is a wild analogy. It was literally like we, we could, it's not tweaking. They were trying to completely transfigure this from one film into another film. And look, that, that it was too, too much of a stretch. Uh, and what we ended up with was this mess. So fast forward uh, and, you know, the executive team completely changes at Warner Brothers. They're trying to launch HBO Max and they need something to bring eyeballs. Um, and of course, the fan base. And had for three years straight. There has literally been a nonstop campaign of hashtag the Snyder Cut. That's right. Hashtag the Snyder Cut. And so, you know, all of those stars aligned and Snyder is back and he produces for us the Snyder Cut. Uh, we see it on HBO Max and that is the short version, Ben. I did my best. Um, I know it was still it was still lengthy and we could have talked more, but I want to talk about the actual film because there's so much going on there. Um, so this the Snyder Cut is a 242-minute behemoth I'm aware um, that <laughs> that is, uh, you know, functionally broken into six parts. And I want to hear your thoughts uh, because I have thoughts, but let's hear from you. I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. I don't think it, the Snyder Cut makes that movie dramatically better. 
I think it makes it. I think it makes it more coherent. I think like there are things, but the things I don't like about the movie are story based, Uh, and that's not fixed by Zack Snyder re-editing. I think it's better. Maybe, yeah, okay, it is. Um, But my problem with the story is fundamentally, probably at the executive level of them deciding to try and get a Justice League movie out as fast as they did. They hadn't built up momentum. They hadn't built up credit with their universe. They hadn't got any of these things and they were jumping straight into the team up. We had a Superman movie. We had a half a Superman movie and a Batman movie. Did we have Wonder Woman at this stage? Uh, Wonder Woman came out same year as Justice League. And Aquaman was after. Yeah. And, we've, and we only just got the Flash movie. Yeah. Uh, that's a ridiculous amount of time. And we've never had a Cyborg movie, uh, which ironically, I think may be the most interesting story out of the ones they could tell here based on the Cyborg they've created. Well, I guess I'll, I'll stop you there to say, look, here is a place where I think we disagree wildly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the Snyder Cut is a dramatically better version of that film. You know, um, I enjoy the Snyder Cut. I will rewatch the Snyder Cut. I feel like it, you know, it, it it's so different tonally, um, story-wise, mm. character-wise from the 2017 version um, that I just, I just think it's a dramatically better film in every way, really. Um, it's, it's an incredibly long film, uh, but, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you in that there was maybe a better way to do this project, but I I also sort of think, you know, if you're gonna, if you're a writer and a director and you're tasked with creating a justice league movie um i don't blame Zack snyder for this no, at all i just sort of think i just sort of think like this is this was actually a good way to go you know this is a good justice league movie uh if your goal is to make a justice league movie without putting the legwork in beforehand um with the individual films like so if that's your constraint then this is the way to do it i mean the trick for me is I look at the Snyder Cut and I go, look, the Snyder Cut is, it was released to HBO Max. Um, I don't think Snyder ever would have tried to put out a 242-minute film into theaters. I'm sure he would have trimmed it down, right? But, so the thing is, the Snyder Cut's four hours. I've seen it a number of times, and I feel like if I was getting pretty brutal... I could get half an hour out of it, okay? It's um, the endings. It's I got could, more endings than Lord of the Rings. I could get it down to, to three and a half, right? But you start to go too much beyond that, and you have that problem, that Batman v Superman problem, which is you you need it. You know, you need the character arcs to, to be somewhat realized. You need the small moments because you haven't had the individual films. Like, there's actually only so much you could pull out of this film and still have it be satisfying. I think you could pull something. Like I said, I think I could get Look, half an hour I... out of this, you know, uh, and, and be pretty happy, you know, but, um, and, and not feel like we lost too much. But look, the, the brief of the execs to say, get it down to two hours, can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it I, I, I don't disagree with a single 
thing you've said. You're right. right? It needs to be the length it is to tell the story it's trying to tell. It needs those things. It makes this, the Snyder Cut makes an unwatchable movie watchable, like 100% guaranteed. The difference in our things is the joy I derive from that movie, right? Fundamentally and functionally, I, I, I get it. It is an improvement. The fans loved it. All these things. But like, and look, here's the deal. Batman is my favorite comic book character. Superman is in the top five. Like, I've, I'm literally sitting next to a stack of bagged and boarded Batman comics. Like, I love the character. And I actually don't mind Ben Affleck's portrayal of it. It I is a, a, a Batman who's been in the, the game for 20 years. Like, he's an old Batman. He's tired. He's world-weary. It's why he kind of makes the mistakes he makes in the story, right? Like, he's kind of, he thinks he knows it all. He thinks he knows what's best, and he doesn't. And he learns that, and he, he makes amends throughout the, the Batman v Superman and this film. But again, I just I cannot escape my brain. The whole time I'm watching this, I'm going, man, I wish I had a cyborg movie that led into this. Man, I wish I had a Flash movie that led into this. I mean, we're never going to get that because Ezra Miller is Ezra Miller. But like, it, what what I find interesting about this movie and what I find fascinating is its journey, which we've kind of discussed. Mm. Um, and I think almost everybody cast in this movie is the right casting choice. Yeah. Like, it's insane how well they casted this movie and the movies around them for what they are. But yeah, like, even... Even the... It is... This movie is Avengers. Like, structurally in a way, right? Like, there's a big bad who's not the big bad. He's leading to a bigger bad, right? There's a, we've got to get the team together to fight off the, the threat of an invasion. Uh, there's Chitari. There's all these different things, right? Like, structurally, the, the two films are crazy similar. And that's comic books, right? Like, those stories are common through all comic books. The big crossover events are these stories. But when you're coming to film, which is kind of like not as forgiving as comics as far as repeating stories and things like that, especially so close together. It just, I don't know, it, it grates me. It, it does. It really does. And I, as I said, I'm a DC guy in a lot of ways. Like, I'm a Marvel guy too, but I'm a, a DC guy in a lot of ways. Things this movie does right, because I'm not here to, to just bag on things. Um, the improvement in the fight scenes from the original theatrical cut to this cut uh, is night and day. Like you, the the end fight scene, I think adds like feels like twenty minutes worth of combat to what is the conflict at the end of the film. Uh, How much better does that play? That so much, whole, so much better. And not even that, the emotional stakes when you have like Cyborg uniting the mother boxes yep. and getting inside there, and you've got the Flash literally turning back time. I'm like, man, that's epic. That's huge. And also. The thing I love about the Snyder Cut in terms of the finale is Superman is a boss. Like Superman is the he is biggest, what he should be. He's the biggest boss that you're you're ever gonna see on screen. And I was just like, there's a joy in that, watching that. That know? moment, and they have a similar moment in the original, but the moment where the axe comes down and Superman kind of stops it. Right? Can I just say I'm one of those people who actually has a problem with you calling. The, the Justice League, the original, okay? Because <laughs> It was the first one released. It's what it's going to be, right? It's, it is the original. 
Whether it is the intended is absolutely not true. Let's just call it the theatrical. Let's just mm. let's just do that. The yeah. one that came first. Um, well, that came first was Snyder's vision. No, that no, we never no, it wasn't. Saw. You know, <laughs> we never saw it until later. But lots of other people. The theatrical did. cut. In the theatrical cut, the moment where he kind of steps in for the first time in the in the final fight has so much more gravitas and so much more like. Oh, this is actually a Superman we haven't seen. This is a Superman who does outclass the problem, yeah. which is people's fear in a Superman movie. Oh, he's bigger than anything. That's the point. Yeah. He is stronger than everybody. Every once in a while, we do have a Doomsday or a Zod or whatever, but everybody else, he is the pinnacle. He's the ubermensch. He is the... the this movie... The other drastic difference, which ties into this, is the deification of the characters in this movie. Like, there is this, like, the whole Superman was above us, was a deity, was a thing. He's much more hammered in in the Snyder Cut of, like, you know, a world just lost one of its gods. Yeah. And, like, and, and that was what he was interested in. And mm. he's said that on a number of times, is looking at the mythic qualities there. Mm. And it's it's interesting because you know, that is kind of also, if you take the darkness in both in visual tone and in story content, mix it with the, you know, what you've called the deification of the characters, or we could say the myth, mythology of, yeah, of the characters, you know, um, or the godlike nature of the characters. And those things combined were the points of difference between that and Avengers, you know? Mm. And of course, if you remove the dark color palette and you try and brighten it, and if you remove the deification of the characters and bring them back down to earth, well, then you're very similar to the Avengers, which is going to actually enhance Urgent. the problem that you yeah. were talking about before of these two films feeling the same, you know? So I mean, in talking about this, I'm actually kind of solidifying what my problem is with this movie. And it's a weird one. I wanted more. <laughs> I wanted more in separate chunks. Yeah. It's as simple as that. I love lore in films. Like, I, I truly do. I love lore. I love, I love the nitty-gritty, the behind-the-scenes stuff in the story that you don't see, but you feel. That's what makes a world rich and interesting. This movie doesn't have that and can't have that because it doesn't have its supporting web. Like, classic, right? At the end of the movie, Flash does the cool thing and turns back time. And he says, I promised I'd, I've got to do that thing I promised I'd never do. If we had a whole movie explaining why he never does that, that makes that moment better. If we had a moment where he had to make a choice in his movie where he didn't do it and then he had to break that choice this time, it makes that moment better. It needs that lore. It needs that web. It needs that connective tissue that it just misses. It, and that would have been nice. You know, like it's, it's interesting. Like you could take all of the really great cyborg stuff out of the Snyder Cut. You've got about 45 minutes worth of content there. You've got half a cyborg movie right there, you know? So you could take that, combine it with a another 40 minutes, and basically your Snyder Cut gets shorter, you get a cyborg movie first, and away you go, you know? Um, same for Flash, same for Wonder Woman, you know? Same. It is criminal what they did to Cyborg in the theatrical cut of that film. Yeah. and, and Like, literally a crime. Yeah, so, and you get why uh ray fisher was so upset you know um like that would have broken me yeah. if that if if i shot the movie i shot and then we did the reshoots and i was told the way i was told that my role in this movie had changed 
which is all hearsay. It's just people saying what they're saying. I'd be broken, man. Like I'd be broken because his character, I thought it was high, like hyperbole when I first heard it. Like he's the heart and soul of the movie. He is. The movie doesn't work. Yeah. Can, okay. Can I, can I ask you this? So you've, you've, I'm pretty familiar with, uh, you know, Joss Whedon's Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, is there, I want to ask you two questions. I'm going to be selfish and ask you mm. two things here. Um, the first is, is there anything from the Justice League that you actually prefer over the Snyder Cut? And the second question is, what were some of the biggest changes that you just wanted to talk about as things that are radically different between the two? So, I mean, the thing, uh, anything I keep from the Justice Cult or Theatrical Cut. Look, I like a little humor. Um, and I think the disparity needed to be somewhere in the middle of the, the humor that's in the film and not. Like, the humor in this film is very much kind of weirdly. There's Batman, the dry humor and the, the loud bombastic of, of Aquaman. And I don't like Ezra Miller's characterization of the Flash very much. Like, I get why he was cast, but I think it's a weak Flash considering we have a better one on TV or had a better one on TV in Grant Gustin, in my opinion. Uh, and that's, I was saying that before all the stuff came out about, you know, his weirdness. Um, yeah, so I do like a bit. Of, I, I would like. I would have liked a little more humor. The story doesn't lend itself much to humor. I understand. And what was the second part of that question? Sorry. Was there anything you actually preferred from the the just? Oh, lots, 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 lots. Um, even so, what I found really interesting is what you spoke about. Of, I didn't realize that Whedon reshot scenes that were in the film just as a different way or a different take. And that is jarring when you first notice it the first couple of times. Like, for example, the tunnel fight uh, under Gotham Harbor. Um, you go into it and you're going, oh, yeah, this was in the theatrical cut. And you're like, it was, but it wasn't. Like, you don't have the weirdness of Batman teaching the Flash how to run yeah. and stuff like that in, in the, the Zack Snyder cut. Um, like, you get these, you, these weird clunky bits out of the film um so when you add saying, but you're saying you then prefer the Zack snyder version yeah yeah okay. they're better they're I was, better i was asking is there anything from the whedon version that you actually prefer mm, not really yeah that they're, they're almost two different movies with the same characters in them and that, that sounds insane when the basic plot's the same yeah it's it's interesting there's there's really uh, like every change that I you know, noticed consciously. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who's been through the internet lists and done my own watching of both of them repeatedly. So I really feel like I know most of the changes like pretty, pretty well. The, there's only one thing that I kind of liked about the Joss Whedon version that wasn't, was absent in the Snyder version, which was when, when they, go to uh when they resurrect superman and they fight superman in the joss whedon version it's implied that batman actually has lois lane you know somehow ready to yeah, actually it's uh, a coincidence in this it, one whereas in the snyder cut it's a coincidence and that is 
almost not worth talking about because it's so small. Do you know what I mean? But I. But it like, is that kind of like that little kind of like, it is what a script doctor would have done, right? They would exactly. have come in and gone, see this bit here? It would be way easier. Batman's really smart. We can justify yeah. this if, yeah. we, if we have them in reserve because he's going to need a friendly face. Yeah. And that's, um, but, but literally every other change, every other change, I prefer the Snyder Cut. Do you know what I mean? Of, like, the, of the extra stuff that is put in the Snyder, Snyder, Snyder Cut, I think the stuff that I could do of less was almost all the extra Atlantis stuff. Yeah. The extra Atlantis stuff doesn't add to his character because it doesn't, like Aquaman's character. It doesn't really add to the plot. Like in the Amazon stuff too, there's a, bit, a bunch of extra Amazon stuff too. Those two chunks don't actually add much to the film. They don't, we have a, a couple of set pieces that you could still have without all the extra stuff. I mean, adding Willem Dafoe back into the movie is real weird. Like real weird. Yeah, it's it's this is the sort of thing where like you know, and and that's those changes that you're talking about. That's the half hour that I'm getting yeah. out of the film. Do you know what I mean? It's the it's but again, it doesn't cost you anything in this HBO Max version of mm. of the film. Um, you know, so so why not? And I was happy to see it. You know, but um, but yeah, it's that it's those sort of extra Atlantis interactions that that we don't really need. They they service. Aquaman as he leads into an Aquaman film. Do you know what I mean? And the Amazon stuff services Wonder Woman as she moves into it. And look, the same for The Flash. Like, there's a great sequence where we actually introduce Iris West. We don't need it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they don't ever name her, do they? No, they don't. So, but it's like it's it's an introduction to Barry Allen. But again, the the scene where we see Bruce Wayne is also an introduction to Barry Allen, and we don't really need you know to understand his character is not that complicated um, as presented in the, no. the, the the this version. So so look, but but ultimately, yes. Yeah, so that that's that stuff's the half hour that we pull out. Um, but, but ultimately like, you know, um, look, I love the fact that we got the Snyder cut at all. Like it's, it's miraculous. I do this, enjoy that as well. This really, this doesn't happen. You know, people don't, studios don't say, Hey, our studio made a terrible decision mm. and here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend $70 million while we say publicly how wrong we were and we're going to give a director who we pushed out, you know, $70 million to, fix, to, to, to restore his vision. No one does that. Like it's yeah. not done in the industry. Like, you know, even so-called director's cuts of films that weren't particularly popular, they're not... They're like two out, extra scenes. Exactly. They're not rolling out the red carpet and, you know, anteing up to say, let's let's really spend and, and make this happen. It's, it is a cash grab in and of itself, the idea that, you know, we're going to restore bits of the film, which might be two tiny scenes and... You know, a slight you know, re-editing or a different score. Exactly. So, which they already oh, had sitting somewhere. You know, <laughs> that reminds me. Um, the scores. Yeah. The score. Okay. This is insane to me. The whole idea that Whedon comes in and replaces the composer, like that's bonkers. Like, and the two scores are vastly different. Um, the song choices in the film are very different too. I actually. It pulled me out of the moment, a few of the, the introductory songs you get when you meet characters, like the, the Flash one. I forget what the song playing is. I'm, I'm not a great music person, but I'm like, oh, yeah, he's saving up. What, that's a weird song. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's insane to me that they kind of got rid of this kind of broody homage soundtrack that was originally designed and, and made for like a, a, a Danny Elfman score, wasn't it? Danny Elfman that came in? Yeah. And, and look, that was, uh, you know, because of the amount of retooling of the movie, yeah. as you say, it functionally was a different movie. You know, Tom score Tom, doesn't fit. Tom Holkenberg, also known as Junkie XL, who did the original score, would have had to redo his own work that he yeah. already, you know, which you know. So I can kind of see why, with the sweeping changes required, and obviously. Whedon had just worked with Elfman on yeah. Age of Ultron, so he's like, hey, I know you. Uh, come do this. Um, so... And Elfman has, what, Warner Brothers DNA as well. Like, yes, that's As far right. as Batman films and yeah. things like that. But I... Still, I vastly, again, I vastly prefer the Tom Holkenberg. The original score, I mean, the original score with the movie it's attached to is better than the new score with the movie it's attached to, if that makes sense, right? Like, if you take them as their separate own entities, I think it's better. Now, I know you know these films inside out. I have two bits of trivia that I'm curious to see if you know the answer to them. This isn't the first time Warner Brothers did a director's recut kind of this significantly large due to public peer pressure. Do you know what the original time they did this for? And to be fair, they released it fairly recently. Not like ten years ago, but fairly recently. Oh, ten years ago, and it was called the something cut after the director as well. Ah, uh, look, I'm, I'm. It, it wasn't. No, it, look, no, I, I don't know. I'm going to say I don't know. Superman two. Oh, the Donner Cut. The okay, Donner yeah, Cut. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they they have done kind of a weird, not as large as obviously the Snyder Cut, but they did more than a normal director's cut re-release of the Superman 2, the Donner Cut, right? Yeah. My second fact is, there's a scene in this movie, and I th I'm going to say Iceland, it's said it. Yeah. And they subtitle it kind of weirdly, right? They 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 do it as if the language spoken is the language that should be on screen. Jason Momoa says one line in Icelandic. Can you tell me anything notable about that line that he says? No, I don't know. What is it? Apparently, he butchers the pronunciation so badly <laughs> that people in that end of the world laugh hysterically <laughs> in cinemas every time it is said. They're my few. They're my two little facts that I learned that I kind of really enjoyed. Like he has one line in Icelandic, and it's apparently so atrocious. Actually, if you want to talk trip, I mean, look, I've got a lot which I won't get into, but aspect ratio. Ah, yeah. So there's a disclaimer at the start of the Snyder cut that it's being presented in the original format intended. Yeah. Do you which, know the story behind that? I don't. I did think it was real weird because I, if you get to know me, there's two things I don't really care about in film. I don't care about how HD, Blu-ray, 4K something is. As long as it's watchable, it's watchable. And aspect ratios. I, I don't understand why people play with aspect ratios and camera speeds and that sort of thing. I've never seen a film where I've looked at it and gone, man, if that aspect ratio wasn't done the way it was done, uh, it, it ruins the whole film. It just doesn't exist in my brain. But continue and explain it. The answer as to why uh, 
Zack Snyder's Justice League is presented, you know, with black bars on the side in what is very close to four by three, which is a square aspect ratio. Like your original tube TVs. Yeah. Is IMAX. So, so an IMAX screen is a square aspect ratio. Now, usually what happens in, uh, you know, a big budget film, particularly, you know, Chris, Christopher Nolan popularized this was, um, the, the film is presented you know, landscape, widescreen, if you like, and it's cropped on the top and the bottom. Mm -hmm. And then when they move to an IMAX sequence, it actually expands, right? Yeah. So if you're watching it in the IMAX cinema, now, Nolan, uh, not <laughs> Nolan, Snyder did this exact thing um, on Batman v Superman. And when he was testing the film and watching the film back, he was, you know, getting a little bit, frustrated at the shifting aspect ratios in the IMAX. And he was like, look, it would just be better if the whole thing was in the native aspect ratio yeah. for IMAX from the starts rather than having this, this shifting. So what, but the Joss Whedon version of the film is entirely widescreen. So if Snyder's vision was for it to be presented IMAX, but Whedon obviously had enough real estate to go widescreen. What's the story there? And the story yeah. is that the film was always designed to work in both aspect ratios, which is super unusual. So he basically shot the way a, um, a social media company would shoot, you know, which is they shoot footage that has is designed for varying different crop yeah. factors, you know, and he planned on presenting the entire thing in IMAX in the full square aspect ratio and on a standard, you know, screen with a, yeah. with a crop and his framing, you know, uh, supposedly had both of them working, you know, um, working well. But the one that was his preferred vision was well, the, the IMAX did, version. Now, yeah. the film wasn't shot in IMAX. It was just an IMAX aspect right, right. ratio. So, um, which I just found super fascinating that like, it was like, that was what he from did a, in that time. Yeah. From a choice and a technical standpoint, it is fascinating. It tells, it tells us, it's part of the story of this film. There was a vision going in. There was a clear, straight as an arrow vision that he had. And every choice he made directed towards that vision. And for whatever reason, I mean, we've we've dodged some pretty big topics in this podcast, just as a heads up, and you can read them about them yourself. Um, but for whatever reason, roadblocks came in the way of that vision. And the man got to present his vision. And I, it's literally beautiful. Yeah. Like there's very few chances, especially in Hollywood and especially in cinema, where someone's vision gets taken away for whatever reason, and then they get to go back and present their, their, their vision. And he did. He got a chance to do what no one really ever got to, gets to do. And he got to present his unfiltered vision for a product that he had from the start. And you can tell he had it from the start. It wasn't something he made up after the fact. It wasn't something he cobbled together. All the pieces were there. Yeah, the only... The only new stuff you know mm. that um was was shot after the fact you know is really the uh what they call the nightmare tag at the end of the film um and also ben affleck's side of the martian manhunter 
conversation at the end of the film, but apparently the only reason they reshot Affleck's side was because the original was out of focus. Um, and they were saying like he only really reshot like seven minutes of footage, yeah. which and that's and you can see that's all that nightmare stuff at the end, yeah. you know. Um, and again, it wasn't apparently it wasn't that there was anything wrong with what was being said on Affleck's side of the Martian Manhunter mm. scene. It was just out of focus, and so that was going to be in their standard normal reshoot block. Eh, bummer, focus issues. We got to redo that that bit, you know. Um, but look. I could talk for another hour about all of the other stuff to do with the Snyder Cut. I'm ultimately, though, I'm thrilled that you saw it. Um, I'm thrilled that you did this insane project of yours where you are now regretting what you did. But, hey, I didn't make you do that part. I did, I'm, not, I'm not regretting it. It was silly. Like, <laughs> I could have made a different choice, but I'm not going to go back and redo the choice. I do, I do want to finish up saying one thing and it's really about how hard this movie Zack Snyder's version of this movie was attempting to be the linchpin of a universe like he I mean there's a famous story of he released a shirt uh, for charity a mental health charity where like the design cryptically had kind of like his layout of what the, the movies were going forward like he had a plan and he had a vision and this movie was the setup like all the nightmare stuff, all the post-credit stuff, all the endings of this film are all quick grabs to set up the wider universe. Like, there's even characters in this movie, like the Atom is kind of hinted at in this movie. Yeah. Um, you get all these kind of grabs and snatches and takes, and he was trying his hardest to build something epic. And I'm bummed we don't get to see it. I... Whether I was going to enjoy it or not, I would have loved to see the attempt because it would have been different to what Marvel's done. It would have, I think, been bigger than what Marvel was attempting to, is doing. It would have been kind of just this kind of bombastic, just explosion of cinema that we don't get to see. Yeah, and that's that's the FOMO, right? Like, I, I sit here and saying I'm not I'm not a massive fan of the movie, and I'm I'm not. It's way better than the original theatrical cut. Um, and you know the the stories that came out of this that have nothing to do with the film are a whole podcast by themselves. Um, but I'm lamenting that we didn't get the rest of the Snyderverse. Yeah. I I wanted to see because I, I again I didn't agree with the way the story was going, but it was going to be insane, and it was an insane thing that I wanted to watch. Yeah. So that that's that's my final take on this movie. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. Well, um, I think I've talked enough, so I'm going to throw to you now to say this was my infliction upon you. Um, what do you got for me for, for next time, Ben? I feel like I've been friendlier to you than you have to be to me. Uh, the Phantom? The Phantom? That, that you were initially excited about that, and I inflicted that on both of us. Uh, Billy Zane let us both down, okay? Uh... I, as always, am tossing up between movies. Um, but I've been itching to do a movie since we've done our first podcast. And I'm not someone who likes to delay my enjoyment. So the next movie I'm picking is Gremlins 2. The oh, new batch. Okay. Okay. A sequel. But, our first our sequel. Our first sequel. Because Gremlins 2, the new batch, is... 
So Gremlins 1, we discussed it, first podcast, is an insane movie for so many reasons. Gremlins 2 is an insane movie for so many different reasons. And I, I've been, as I said, like, I wanted to delay it as long as possible. I can't delay it anymore. So Gremlins 2, the new batch, uh, Return of Gizmo uh, is back. And you know what? As scathing against Western greed and corporate culture as it, the first movie was. So, you know, yeah. you know how I announced a Snyder Cut and you were like, eh, mm. not excited. This is my eh, you know? <laughs> and I get why. I truly do. But I don't think you understand the difference in these movies. All right. Well, look, you know, the rules are I've got to do it. So I'll be doing it. Oh, but, this uh... movie, by the way, is the first movie to ever give me a nightmare based on a movie. Oh, okay. And you won't understand why. <laughs> Well, look, that, that conversation I look forward to. So yeah. until then, Gremlins 2 is what I will be spending my time on. And uh, I was about to say stay safe, but were, were you ever Well, how about, how about this is Ben and uh, Jim and Ben's movie adventure. Why don't you come along with us? Oh, yeah, just, just, just come along. Just come along. Also, stay safe, guys. I don't and know don't why, do, I don't and know don't why, do drugs. I don't know why we wouldn't be safe. That's why yeah. I stopped myself from saying it. I'm like, what are you? You're not a dangerous human being. I was going to bungee jump while watching Grandma. Okay, well, so. just stay safe. Don't do that. Um, so <laughs> until then, bye-bye. peace out, guys. Bye.